hello and welcome to the second episode of the That's Why They Were Quality podcast. In the first series here, we're going to be talking about the British sitcom Only Fools and Horses. The last episode, we covered how Only Fools and Horses came to be and what the participants in making Only Fools and Horses were doing prior to the show. In this episode, we will cover the first series episodes one to three. We hope you enjoy the show and I can only apologise for any audio problems that may be in this episode. We'll soon be getting a new microphone, so this shouldn't be an issue anymore. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy the episode. I should also mention that in the episode we uh, do talk about the Nations League. Um, This was recorded before England had uh, miserably lost the Nations League. Um, Hence the optimism in our voice when talking about the England team as well. But um, yeah, just to let you know. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. Starting tomorrow, a new BBC One comedy series, Only Fools and Horses, starring David Jason and Nicholas Lindhurst as brotherly business partners. We take last week, we went to the auction, right? We bought a grocery disposable light as a Space Invaders game, two facial saunas, five water damaged sleeping bags, and a moonroof for a Peugeot, right? Then we swapped the lot for a van load of one-legged turkeys. They was not one-legged turkeys. They was damaged turkeys. How many legs did they have, Bill? I'm in no mood for trick questions. Undeterred, Dell clinches another deal. Right, OK, Chief, let's work that out. That's uh, 8 times 25 equals 175, OK? 200. What? No, no, Roddy, no, no, no. The calculator says 175, all right? Yeah, but he's got GCEs and maths and art. So what does that prove? He can paint by numbers. <laughs> Nicholas Lindhurst and David Jason starred in Only Fools and Horses tomorrow at 8.30 on BBC... So... The first episode starts off with Rodney and Grandad, and I found out actually through watching Rock and Chips doing a bit of research. Do you know what Grandad's real name is? No, it's Ted. Ted. Oh, I did know that. I did yeah. know that. They call him that in um, in Rock and Chips because uh, Joan calls him Ted in Rock and Chips. She doesn't mm. call him. She doesn't call him Grandad. She calls him Ted. So yeah, yeah. Ted or Edward Kitchener Trotter uh, sat in the uh, uh, sitting with Rodney in the flat. Uh, watching TV, and now when we talk about only fours and horses, we talk about it in very glowing terms. But one thing we do have to talk about was it was it quite offensive? Was it quite? Was it? I mean, it's been replayed when it was rebroadcast for Netflix. There were new generations who were a lot of complaints. There's a lot of complaints. There's a lot of complaints from younger generations, yeah. coming, as they're called, the millennials, yeah. coming in watching it. Um, saying that parts of the show are offensive, but what part were you thinking? Obviously, if you don't want to well, go into too much detail, then don't. It's, it's something that we can't really avoid. And I was looking to like get onto it, you know, in a few episodes. I wasn't expecting when I'm rewatching this to get onto it from the first lines of dialogue from the first ever episode in the first series. So Ronnie and Grandad are watching TV, sat in the flat, discussing whether the actor on TV's name is pronounced Pot- uh, Poitier or Potter. Uh, Grandad saying, "Oh, that actor's brilliant, and oh, that Sydney, that Sydney Potter is, um, is brilliant, isn't he?" Grandad, uh, Rodney saying, "Potter, oh, you mean Sydney Poitier?" And they have an argument, and then Dell comes in, and Rodney asks him, "Boy, is that Sydney Poitier or Sydney Potter?" And Dell says, 
Well, I've always pronounced him Harry Belafonte, but you two please yourselves. I don't know, is that offensive? It turns out it was Harry Belafonte. And in in the proceeding bit to that, Grandad says, oh, you know, that Sydney Sydney Potter's very good. You know, he always plays the black fella. Again, it's a, it was the phrase, it was a different time. I think we're probably going to say quite a lot throughout this. But it was a different time. Yeah, and, and that, that is relevant. Because the truth of the matter is, th- this was shown on the BBC. Yeah. If you were going to make a similar joke now... Well, you wouldn't, I don't think. You wouldn't, you wouldn't make it. You couldn't get away with making a similar joke now. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was it was a different time. Throughout the show, there were several moments like that mm. where you couldn't get away with it now. Um, but the truth is, it was acceptable back then. I'm not defending it. Yeah. It just was. That's just the way the world was. Um, so you can't hold him. You can't, you can't have a go at him for it. You know, you can't. I don't think it's worth complaining about, put it that way now, because this show is, what, 30 years old? Older yeah. than that, older than that, so. But that, like, discuss whether it was offensive or not. I mean, it's, so they're, they're mistaking one African-American actor for the other. And the joke is about how they're both, the joke fundamentally is about, how, and I'm not putting words into John Sullivan's mouth really, but the joke seems to be about how they're both African-American actors, so that's why they've been, confused with each other yeah yeah just because of that one similarity that one similarity so that that could be quite offensive but i think the justification that that came out now you wouldn't get away with it no but i think the justification is is that these this viewpoint is being sent up this viewpoint is being made fun of there the butt of the joke isn't the said minority the butt of the joke is their ignorance towards yeah they don't know they don't know what the difference they're they're the butt of the joke of this situation so i don't think it is I, it it could be taken one way or another, but I think it's I tend to lean to, as it not being offensive because the, they're, they're the butt of the joke. It's, yeah, they are. Rodney's the butt of the joke, really. Because well, Granddad, well, well, both of them. Well, to be fair, well, Granddad was he say uh, Potter? Yeah, and then Rodney's trying to be clever and say it's not Potter, it's Poitier. Poitier. Yeah, yeah, very famous Australian yeah. actor back. At, yeah, yeah, and he's trying to he's trying to. Um, Show up, Granddad. In mm. terms of intelligence, Delboy comes in and puts them both. Mm. What, what, you know, just shames him really. This is nice. Mm. So yeah, I, he. I think Rodney's really the the, the butt of the joke of that one. Mm. He's trying to be clever. That kind of sums him up in a sense. Oh yeah, he, he's always trying to be a bit clever, Rodney. He always thinks he's more intelligent than everyone else, and to an extent, he is in terms of education. Mm. But he doesn't have any life education really. Mm. Um, the school of the school of life. He doesn't doesn't know it too well. He learns from. And Del Boy, and that's a good example of that, really. Definitely, and um, straight away was uh, straight away as Del enters, um, we find out we established the fact that their mother died, leaving Del to bring up Rodney, and we hear some of the resentment that Del has for Rodney because of this. Uh, we also establish the fact that they're market traders and that they don't pay tax. In that speech, I was mentioned yeah. about. You know, what's great about all of this is it all comes out very natural. Very natural. Uh, it shows how good the writing is. Um, you don't watch this and think, oh. This is just obvious exposition. Yeah, they're just, they're just saying this so we could get to learn the backstory. It actually comes out in a natural conversation that makes sense. Yeah. It's not like they're just saying things for the sake of it so we, we're caught up with it. Mm. So that shows how good of a writer John Sullivan was. Oh, definitely. And what, what brings this about, of course, is Rodney um, making accounts, keeping records of what Dell's ingoings and outgoings are because he thinks Dell's cheating him. At this time, of course, in the storyline, Rodney's 23. 
and he's just started working for Dell. Um, and we find out the reason that he is working for Dell is because he went to university and he got kicked out because he was caught in possession of cannabis yeah. when he was at a girl's dorm. Um, and yeah. I wonder, do you think that? Do you think back then, if you were caught with that, mm. that got you kicked out of your what, back in back then? Well, I because I, don't, so. I think now I don't think it would. I don't think you get kicked out. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. Yeah, the attitude towards drugs has relaxed a lot more since. Yeah, so there's probably a lot have, more yeah. paranoia towards it during the eighties and and the seventies. Yeah. What's sad is that's that's one mistake made by Rodney, and it's cost him his entire. Constantly comes back throughout the series. Oh it's yeah, always biting him in the butt throughout mm. the series. Hmm, definitely. So Rodney and Zelda go to the pub and they expand upon the fact that they don't have a mother. Um, so at this current moment, one of the many things that they're trying to sell is three-legged turkeys and so Rodney's saying they're selling three-legged turkeys um they don't have a mother and even their van has got a wheel missing they have a three-wheel van uh again they also find out the fact Delboy has given Rodney the job because Delboy uh, Rodney can't get a job because of course kicked out of uni for possession of cannabis got a criminal record so they, they talk about that a lot more um we see the first barmaid that we meet in Only Fools and Horses. Do you yeah. remember her name? No, I don't remember her name. Joyce. No. Joyce. Joyce. Very, yeah. Throughout the show, that's the only inconsistency. Well, there's, I don't know, mm. there's a couple of inconsistencies, but that's one of them. Well, it, it, the barmaids are always changing. Yeah. So the landlords are the same. Um, yeah. Who do we have? The, the, main, the one I remember is Mike. Mike, of course. Uh, yeah. He had one before that. What was the guy before that? Who was the I don't one? remember one. Was that one before that? I think there was one before Mike. I don't remember um, one before Mike, but the, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was Mike, but someone took over because Mike. I can't remember the actor's name, but he passed away. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way they Kenneth McDonald. Yeah, they wrote him off from the show by saying he went to prison. Mm. Um, and then after that, who took over? Was it Sid? Sid, Sid, Sid takes yeah. over, which is a bit of a weird change. So that's inconsistency. Go. Sid's calf that changes quite a lot throughout the show. Maybe he's just had a couple of redecorations throughout the years. Maybe, but it does. It does seem completely different in but, like, different. But, yeah, but yeah, the barmaids change throughout. Really, yeah, they are inconsistent. But but they're not portrayed as the same character though. They are like they are different barmaids. Oh yeah, they they're are just, different. Yeah. yeah, so I suppose it's just, I suppose mm. it's similar to what bar work is. You, 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 yeah, you're, you're there, and, and then you find another job, etc. So yeah. I suppose that makes sense. But uh, but Joyce, and she was. I I quite liked her as a barmaid. Um, so she was our early barmaid in Only Fools and Horses. Uh, we meet her. Um, was this the episode as well? Mm. This is the episode, but is this the part where Raquel was in it as well? Okay, so there was a yeah. long rumour. and uh, Okay, well, there's a long rumour saying that uh, Raquel, as Del Boy is entering the pub, there's a woman who says, um, you know, hi, Del. Let's see if I can find the exact line of dialogue that she reportedly said. Yeah, so as Del enters the bar, there's a character who says, hello, Del. Del walks into the pub. Um, says, you know, I'm fine, thanks. And um, he responds, hello, darling, are you all right? Now, apparently, apparently, according to rumour, this was meant to be Tessapeake Jones, who portrayed this part, who later would go on to play Raquel. And I, I've watched the episode, and I've got to say, she doesn't look anything like Raquel, and it isn't true, but what do you right. think? Yeah, because I always... I, I... I've seen that episode quite a few times, mm. um, and to be honest, I always, I never really look out for it. But I heard mm. recently that that was her. Yeah, who played it was it was the actress who played Raquel, but obviously she was just playing an extra, and it's not a big deal really. I mean, mm. she obviously played an extra and they come into it for a main part. 
But I always thought it was one of those novelty things. But it's interesting to hear that it's mm. not actually her. Well, yes, I see. I wouldn't put it past them to do because they have done that before. We're, we're going to get onto an episode where a character who's in this later appears. The same actor plays one character that plays a completely different character in the later series, which has happened in Only Fools. Um, it, it's strange how if it wasn't her, mm. why does everyone think it was her? I don't, I don't get it because I don't think she looks anything like. There her. is a, there is like um, there, she was there quite is a far theory. away. There is a theory behind this, not behind this, but there is a theory that something's happened. It's called the Mandela effect. Have you heard of that? So the Mandela effect. So the reason it's called that is because the original one came from Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Loads of people thought that Nelson Mandela died in prison. Oh right. Well, obviously he didn't die in prison. He came out of prison and he died. Yeah. When did he die? A couple of years ago now. Yeah, but yeah. it's strange how loads of people just assume that he died in prison. Yeah, yeah. And it's a similar thing, maybe. They all assume, and there's there's several things that you can. Um, mm. There's examples of that of, but it's called the Mandela effect because yeah, that's yeah. like the big one. But this could be one of those situations. I also heard on that note. I also heard that um, Winston Churchill, the famous or fighting them on the beaches speech, yeah. that was actually delivered during the World War. It was delivered either before or after after the World War. I should believe it was delivered after the World War, but everyone just presumes it was delivered during wartime because they associate that with World War Two. And I probably have to do greater research into it, um, you know, to get the exact date. But yeah, again, like the Mandela effect, you you remember history differently, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good theory though. If you get a chance, like yeah. go on YouTube, type in the Mandela effect. It's an interesting thing to look up. Yeah, and I suppose I suppose like you know, um, Tessa Peake Jones' early appearance only falls in horses. Doesn't have as much historical significance as World War Two or Nelson Mandela's uh, incarceration. <laughs> in many ways, in many ways, it's more important. In many in ways, many ways. <laughs> in many ways. I mean, it was funny. It was a lot funnier. Um, but yeah, they uh, they go sit down and they meet with a character portrayed by Roger Lloyd Pack, a character who, outside of the main cast, I think is probably the greatest character in this show. One of the greatest characters. He is definitely hundred percent outside the main cast. Mm. Um. He's, he's a genius character. He can't, he, he's got the most memorable lines, I think. Most even, memorable even when lines. it comes to the main cast, he's got more memorable lines, I believe. Look, at this current moment, I am wearing a Trigger t-shirt. and I uh, didn't even notice, but I like it. I yeah. like it. I didn't even notice. It's poor, it's poor on my behalf. <laughs> yeah. but, um, just, just, just in case you listen to this, mm. look after your broom. Uh, and your brew will look after you. Seventeen new handles and no, seventeen new heads and fourteen new handles. Um, that's a great joke from Trigger. It's um, one of the greatest lines in the, in the show. Just, right. to, just to sum it up, um, in the later series, uh, Trigger gets given an award because uh, he's, we'll, he's, we'll he's get a... we'll get onto that when it comes. Okay, fine. Ooh, I don't want I don't want to. That's one of the great like the great moments of the show. There's a great moment here actually. They, uh, mm. When they when we're introduced to Trigger. Mm. Yeah, by the way, the character is Trigger that we're talking oh, about. Oh, so yeah, 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 it's Trigger, yeah. Yeah, when we were introduced to Trigger, one of the f- a really funny moments, I think it's the first really funny moment for me, mm. I remember laughing at this. So what's interesting is Rodney doesn't know who Trigger is. Yeah, yes. That's what's interesting. Yeah, Rodney doesn't that. know who, who Trigger is. But they, but, but he was Dale old does. schoolmates with Dell, and surely this can't be the first time yeah, that he's it, met Trigger. It's, it's one of those things where I don't think they realised how big this show was going to be when yeah, they were yeah. so, because... Later on, we find out that, that Trigger and Dell have gone back for years. Mm. And then they walk into the pub, and it's almost like uh, Trigger's there just out of nowhere. But yeah. obviously, they didn't plan for there to be a well, big backstory behind him. But yeah. I'm just going to go over this joke. Um, Rodney goes to Dell, why is he called Trigger? Does he carry a gun? Yeah. And Dell turns around and goes, no, because he looks like a hole. Ah, there he is. Oi, Trigger. Here. 
You know my brother, don't you, eh? Yeah, of course I do. How are you going, Dave? Sorry I'm late, Del Boy. I had to pop round my sisters to arrange an alibi for next Thursday. Joyce, Del. Del. What? Why'd they call him Trigger? Does he carry a gun? No, it's because he looks like a horse. <laughs> Again, just brilliant. Like, and yeah. Like, also, another thing that indicates that... Another thing that's quite weird is that when they're in the flat and Del's about to meet Trigger, he doesn't say, oh, I'm going to go off to meet Trigger. He says, oh, we've got a business meeting. Yeah. And it, it's it's kind of like this is the first time they're meet, meeting this guy. They don't really know him. Yeah. But he's, he's meant to, he's meant to, he was a friend with them for years. He grew up and went to school with Del. He was on the Jolly Boys yeah, album with Del for fair, years. As, as we go through the show, mm. he's always in the pub. Trigger's always in the pub. Yeah. So it's not like, and they're always in the next head as well. Yeah. The pub's called Next Head. They're always in the next head as well. So... Yeah, it's, 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 it's a bit of a strange one, but it just goes to show how they didn't plan how big this show was going to get and the, the big history and backstory behind it. So No, exactly. kind of shows a little bit of an inconsistency, but how are they to know? No, exactly. So they sit down and Trigger is trying to flog them a consignment of brief, briefcases. Rodney's saying, you know, we, don't, we shouldn't have anything to do with those briefcases. The police are probably looking for those right now. Trigger, at that yeah. point, hides one under the table. Trigger says, look, they're not being searched for by the police. And Rodney goes, well, why'd you hide it under the table? And Trigger goes, well, you don't know when they're going to start looking for him, do you? <laughs> Brilliant. How's it genius? Shouldn't have anything to do with him, Del. Police most probably looking for him right now. <laughs> Tell us the truth. How the police looking for these things, Trigg? No, they're not, Del. And that's the truth. Why are you hiding it under the table, then? Well, because you never know when they're going to start looking for him, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and so they're, they're haggling over the briefcases. And this is where and, we and that that attitude from Rodney, yeah. being on Dell's shoulder, telling him not to do it, not to do it, yeah. is the same throughout the show. Yeah, like yeah. Every episode, that is basically the concept. Of well, it's it. against the dreamer and the realist. Yeah, it's, yeah. Now yeah. all all Dell sees is the profit, and all Rodney sees is where it can go wrong. Yeah, and I think they're both vital. They both pessimistic and optimistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they're great opposites, and that's mm. why the show works. I don't so think well. one they could survive together. without the other. I don't no, reckon. No, hundred percent. They teach each other a lot. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, Del and Trigger are haggling and they, they, they haggle it down like 15, 14. And then <laughs> I think it's at this point where Del goes nine and Trigger goes eight. He's like, yeah, deal. <laughs> and we find out Trigger is <laughs> delayed laughter. Like, because like Trigger, we're just catching up with the joke and uh, brilliant. And we establish exactly who Trigger's character is. He's a bit dodgy. He's not with it he's not the well, smartest well what's strange is is in this first episode he does come across as a bit jo- uh, a bit dodgy he's got these mm. stolen briefcases he is a bit dodgy though he's a kleptomaniac he's a bit he doesn't need quite see a lot of stuff as much as the show goes on mm. so there's a couple of points but he, he, he's not really i mean he doesn't really sell a great deal to mm. to to Dale, does he he, mm. he kind of sticks to himself and he's the road sweeper and it, a lot of the time he's seen in the market yeah he's high of his jacket on just sweeping the streets yeah but uh Right, so but again, his character changed a lot. Like once oh. they established his character, he does does change from that point. Oh, definitely, yeah. He, they dumb him down a lot. He definitely becomes the dumb kind of character, but it, it's it's done so well. Yeah, and so after that, um, Dell's trying to. And I tell you what, as well, he's had a huge career with Lloyd Packing. Oh, by yeah. Two thousand and fifteen, I think. Mm. Lloyd Pack made his um made his television debut in the Avengers in nineteen sixty five. Uh, subsequently appeared in series such as uh, Jason King. Crown Court and Softly Softly. Uh, he was also in the very famous 
musical Fiddler on the Roof in 1971, having a small part as the sexton. I believe that was the character's name. Um, and as you say, after Only Falls and Horses, he did have a great career. In, he was in Harry the Harry Potter franchise. He was in one of them, I think. Yeah, yeah. he was a big part of it. He, he appeared in Doctor Who. Um, probably he's the other really well-known character from him was in The Vicar of Dibley. Yeah, that's who, another great show. Another great show. And again, again, mm. again, he's another actor. If he didn't have this completely bigger show, he'd yeah. have another, you have a backlog of other great shows. And to be honest, his character from Vicar of Dibley... Um, is as funny, I mm. think, in many ways, as Trigger. He has some great moments in that. And as completely well. different to Trigger as well. Yeah, different to Trigger, yeah. Still a little bit dumb, still a little bit stupid, but um, definitely a different character beyond that. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. He's, he's, again, an amazing actor and perfect casting for Trigger. He's someone who I couldn't see him being played by any other character, to be honest. Uh, so, Del Boy. He's uh, got a calculator out and he's trying to add up the total of the briefcases. And he gives Trigger, like, you know, a dodgy number. And he's showing him the calculator, saying, you know, oh, this, you know, this is what it is. And Rodney, trying to, you know, prove again how smart he is, he says to Dell, no, that's not, that's not, that's not right. And in doing that, he does Dell out of some money because now Dell has to pay more for the briefcases. Yeah, it, it shows how intelligent. And kind of silly Rodney is at the same time. Um, mm. Again, he thinks he's being clever because he can do the sum off the top of his head and knows what it is. And it's pretty difficult something, but he just he tries to out-clever Dell and out-show out him. And then it's only after he says it and Del Boy gives him a look that he knows that... Then he realises that Del Boy was trying to scam Trigger. And, and it shows the difference, how they both have different types of knowledge. Del has a real street knowledge and, and knows how to swindle people. Rodney doesn't. He has more of an education, mm. um, but he doesn't pick up on when Dell's doing things like this. He hasn't got much life knowledge, really. Definitely, definitely. It's not like come natural this life, I don't reckon, to Rodney. Um, so back at the flat, Dell is on the phone trying to sell the briefcases, and one of the people he's on the phone to turns out the briefcases were stolen from his shop. And a great line where Dell's on the phone, on the phone to him, and he said, "No, no, don't go on to the police. You know, you can't, you can't trust." He calls the calls them the gendarmes. Um, remember when they planted all those electric fly, fire blankets on me? And I brilliant line, <laughs> great. Uh, so they they Dell and Rodney they get into an argument because Rodney says they shouldn't have bought those briefcases, and he suggests to uh, to Dell he should chuck them in the river. Um, Rodney says he should get a proper role in the partnership. He wants to be the financial advisor because he feels Dell doesn't respect him. And he then says to Dell, you know, you make my life a misery. And Dell says, you know, going on saying, what do you mean I make your life a misery? I looked after you. I cared for you. You know, I, I brought you up. And Dell says that sometimes he hesitates to call Rodney his brother. Rodney says, well, I tell people I'm your social worker. Which is a great line. And then... Rodney, this spirals into discussion where Rodney says to Dell, how come you never let me do anything by myself? You even had to help me out with my GCE studies. Dell says, you passed in two. And Rodney says, I failed in the other eight, Dell. And <laughs> another great line. Uh, Rodney storms out and then he opens the door again, comes back a lot more humble. Without any words, Dell boy just hands up like a, a note, presumably a five or a tenner. Rodney takes it and leaves. 
And again, we show the nature of Del really. He's caring nature. Even when he's mad at Rodney, he you know, his family's family and that's yeah. that's people he's gonna take care of. Yeah, he doesn't expect to be asked, he doesn't expect to thank you. No. He, in his mind, it's his responsibility to look after Rodney. Yeah. Without, without even asking, he, he knows he should give Rodney some money because he needs to look out for him. Yeah, exactly. And, and Rodney knows, really. Rodney has a go at him, and, and we see this a couple of times again throughout the show. Rodney argues with him, but he knows it'll be nothing without Dell. Oh, definitely. Uh, the next morning, uh, Grandad tells Dell that Rodney's gone. They said he's left to visit a woman um, that he went to uni with in Hong Kong. The woman, of course, that Rodney was with when he got busted for possession of marijuana. Uh, Grandad asks him to ring Interpol in case Rodney's in trouble. And he says, oh, you can explain what Rodney's like. And Del says, I'm sorry, I don't know the French for... And he says the famous P word that we'll be associating with Rodney... What does he say? Clunker. No. In fact, he calls him a pranny because in these early episodes, they I, it seemed like they were trying to get across the word pranny instead of plonker, and that was going to be the big word. No. Plonker is a lot better. They, they must have just not. I didn't even notice that. No, I yeah. So in the first two episodes. Pranny. It sounds, it sounds right. Yeah, it yeah. Sounds wrong. In the first two episodes, Del, Del calls, he's calling Rodney a pranny. And it's, yeah, again, it's very strange. Yeah, that's weird. But yeah, it seems like that would it would like like now maybe we'd have mugs with Rodney, you pranny. Or, I don't think no, it would have worked. Well, it didn't catch up, did it? No, no. That's why obviously they felt they need to change. It. There is no ringtones out right now that say Rodney, you pranny. There isn't. You can't you can't get any novelty cards um, that say Rodney, you pranny. Which only feels you know she's the the show that introduced. I don't the think it plunker. was actually no the word plunker. Plunker. It's such a, it's such a, a well used insult. It's not it's not really offensive, but it's an insult. Hmm. But the... I only associate it with Del Boy calling Rodney a plunker. Plunker, let me see. I did actually look this up the other day and we'll come to this. Yeah, I think plunker it was um, a word that was basically used in sort of South London vocabulary before. Um and yeah, the exact definition of plonker I think it's mostly it's sort of the show sort of define the words now. It's, like, it's a lot of definitions you'll find is of someone who is stupid, of someone who's a bit of a fool, and yeah, it's mostly associated with only fools and horses now. Interesting. We talk about Trigger. Do you know Trigger's real name? No, go on. It is Colin Bull. Colin Bull. Colin Bull. Uh, we find that out. I believe we find we find out his surname is Bull. In the episode Ashes to Ashes, and we found out his first name in Rock and Chips. After Rodney finds out, um, after Del sorry finds out Rodney is gone, uh, he there's then a montage of Del trying to sell the briefcases uh, around London unsuccessfully. Uh, set to the opening theme music, as we said before, wasn't the famous tune that we know now. <laughs> It was very weird theme. It was do 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 do. Yeah, do 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 do
in only fools and horses. Apart from the fact that they don't know the trigger is that well. Yeah. So even then they're old friends. That, that's why I had to correct my... <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is some plot holes that we'll get onto. Um, that, yeah. But, yeah. So, Dell asks... Um, uh, Rodney asked Dell what he did with the briefcases. And Dell says uh, he chucked them in the river. And, you know, they have a good laugh. And Dell says to Rodney... What do you want to do, you know, go down to the pub and, you know, get stupid or go out to uh, jet off to Saint-Tropez and meet up with Veronica? And uh, Rodney goes, no, I don't think we should uh, sell to Saint-Tropez. Uh, we might run into those briefcases, mightn't we? And they have a laugh and it's, it's a good episode. It just shows the camaraderie between them. And I think it's a great way to introduce the show. Absolutely brilliant. It's a very good introduction. Yeah. yeah. It shows the contrasting characters, but it all kind of comes together in the end. Mm. You see how they need each other. They you do. You see... You see how the family, the family dynamics work. Yeah, you see, like, yeah, they they'd be lost without each other. Yeah. Second episode was in uh, was aired on the fifteenth of September, nineteen eighty one. Got a viewing audience of six point one million. Thirty minutes in duration. Um, this yeah. is where we meet right at the start. Another character who. Uh, yeah. So, so very quickly, um, mm. just to give you a bit of backstory behind. The audiences between them. So as you just said, it was 6.2? Uh, 6.1 6. to the second so, episode. So, and for the first one, it was 9.2. It's mm. a big drop. It's big a, drop. It's a big drop. Considering yeah. this is in the 80s. I didn't think about that. No, yeah. This is the 80s, so you don't have that many channels. Yeah, I think you only have um, three channels at the exactly, time. You don't have the internet or anything like that. So yeah. you're only con- you're, you're constricted. You're restricted to watching only a certain The TV or the window. Yeah. yeah, or listening to the radio. Or listening to the radio. You are reading, or reading the newspaper. But the thing is, you can do mm. all those things and watch TV as well. Yeah. But now you've got so many more options. Mm. I don't really watch TV. I, I go on YouTube, listen to podcasts. No, yeah. watch a bit of porn. Uh, you know, you've got <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's the thing. You've got so many other options. But this shows how much of a drop that is. Because um, Gary Lineker actually tweeted uh, the viewing figures for Match of the Day the other day. Mm. And it was showing how they get much more viewing figures than um, another channel. So it was like... They're on about four million, mm. which is a lot for Match of the Day because Match of the Day is a huge show. Mm. But if you look back, just this random sitcom back then got nine point two for the first mm. episode. That shows how, how how many people watching TV. Yeah, and it also shows how much of a drop there was from. Sitcom. Yeah, there's three million people there who watched the first episode and obviously maybe didn't really like it, or yeah. for whatever reason they just decided not to watch it. And, yeah. you know, you don't know. They could have been, they couldn't have been around to watch it or anything they like that. They could have just all that been out. could have been an option. Yeah, they could have been out All somewhere. been busy, all been busy. They could have been busy, you don't know. I mean, that, it it was that with... weekend, there was a concert where there was three point something million yeah. viewers that were actually, that three point British people were there. So that, yeah, that's, well, that's why. why then. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, why. I'll shut up then. That's, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> uh, but, I know, yeah, it's bad though, but back then, like, so this was seen as the viewing figures for the first series were seen as disappointing. 6.1 million people were seen as disappointed. And it's mad you think about now, when you saw it match today, one of the, the flagship shows of BBC, probably the, the, the biggest channel in the UK. And 4.2 million, you said, that's seen as a good viewing figure. Six I mean, it's, it's, it's a good viewing figure, figure now. But 6.1 million people back then, that was seen as disappointing. It just shows you how times have changed, as you say, about the... Uh, yeah. Yeah, so beginning of the episode starts off with Delt speaking to Boise. Um, Boise, he is uh, a sorry. Just just go going on. back to then. Yeah. Um, the population was a little bit lower. All um, right. Wasn't uh, it was fifty six million people? Mm. So, 
It's crazy to think actually that first episode nearly got ten million people. That's almost like a, like a tenth of the, the population, nearly. That's mad, yeah. It's, it's crazy st- to think that. Yeah. I wonder what it is now. I don't think it's increased a great deal. So it's sixty six now. So ten million That's... people in that time frame, and these figures are taken from two thousand and seventeen. Yeah. So obviously it's grown probably a little bit since then. Probably but... a lot, lot more people conceived after the World Cup. A lot of Randy England supporters. But the one we just had. No. Yeah. Population's <laughs> probably skyrocketing. Yeah, probably right there. Yeah, Give it another right. another few months. It's gonna. It's the type of thing where that stuff happens. Mm. So you, you see that through history. Like, That's what the baby boomers, event. wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was like after the war, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So. So, yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Yeah. That could we win the Nations League, mate? We'll be we'll overcrowded. Have... Yeah, we overcrowded. Overcrowded. Yeah. So um, the episode starts off with Dell speaking to Boise. Boise is a second-hand car dealer, and when I was talking earlier about the jobs John Sullivan had between starting to write and also leaving school, one of those jobs was being a car dealer. Uh, so it could have inspired the character. Uh, so, Boise, second-hand car dealer, played by John Chalice, who is in an episode of Citizen Smith, playing quite a similar role. Um, <laughs> yeah, hmm. what's funny is, is, um, and you see this for any full journalists as well, that sometimes policemen, uh, to make it funny, yeah. they're made into a bit of a dodgy policeman. Yeah, yeah. Like Candice and things like that. Um, and that's also the same with car dealers. Car mm. dealers are shown being a bit of a dodgy character, yeah. having a dodgy job, screwing people over. Mm. So it's funny how they're two similar jobs, and, and John Jones seems to do a good job at... Um, being dodgy. Yeah, being dodgy. He's yeah, good yeah. at portraying that role. Um, yeah. you, you've also met John Chalice, haven't you? I was about to say, talk about John um, Boise's dodgy. John Chalice, lovely bloke. Absolutely lovely. Like I only met him briefly. I was at... Um, and we'll talk about Jolly Boys out in later, but I was at the place where they filmed that, and he was there. We had a chat, and he, he just, he wasn't like there. Was the, there an event on? Oh, well, it, well, the biggest event of all time, the, the show Chaz, was being, Chaz, Chaz and Dave, Dave yeah. being headlined, rest in peace, Chaz Hodges, but it was being uh, being headlined by Chaz and Dave, but he wasn't there, he wasn't paid to be, in, be there, he was just, you know, there for the day, and he was just going up, and people were just, he was standing there, people were chatting to him, and he was having conversation with everyone. He, did, he didn't know... Don't know me. I just come up to him, say I'm oh, massive fan, honoured to meet you, and he doesn't say yeah, thanks. You know, he sits there, he just has a discussion with me, and saying, "Oh, this what, is the what place." What do you talk about? He says, "Oh, this is the place where um we came to film. I think it'd been rebuilt. Um, what was it called? Adventure, not Adventurelands, Dreamland, Dreamland. Yeah, Dreamland had been like uh rebuilt since they were filming there. But he says, "Yeah, this is where we were when we filmed that episode, uh, Jolly Boys Out." And uh, I think I brought that up. And um and he says, you know, yeah, we had a great time and he was just telling me a story about Jolly Boys outing. I just and like, you know, I had a picture with him. Lovely bloke. And I was watching this this T V show where um back in I think two thousand or late nineties, where it's like a quiz, um, and you have these three only fools enthusiasts competing for a only fools bit of memorabilia and John Chalice comes out playing Boise to hand it out. And he, again, he just seems like the most lovely bloke in the world. And yeah, he seems like a nice guy. I, really I, I nice follow guy. him on Twitter. Yeah, he's yeah. really active on Twitter. Oh, really? Um, and yeah, he, he comes across like a nice geezer on that, yeah. to be honest. Um, he, I think he's been in a couple of pantomimes and things since, mm. but he hasn't done a great deal. No, really. no. Uh, I, mean, I don't know how old he is. He's probably getting on a bit now. So yeah. He's probably enjoying his retirement. Yeah. But um, yeah, he seems to. like a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. I know he's done, like, I think, pantomimes and that. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, he's yeah, a lovely bloke, John Chalice. And if you're listening to this, hopefully you are. He knows. Honour to me. I reckon he is. I, I hope he so. Is. I hope so. 
So Del Boy is speaking to Boise. Um, get to about kids liking the show. What an image Boise is. A guy with a, a big moustache, tall bloke, funny laugh glasses. I mean, that's just... Funny voice as well. Funny voice. Yeah. It, it's, it's like he's wearing disguise, but that's just his, the way he looks. It's <laughs> yeah. brilliant. Um, Even he's like... Those all these features, like he, he just seems very long. Yeah, I yeah. He's very long, and it's funny because when you see him next to Del Boy, mm. they look completely different. Oh and yeah. What's strange well, yeah. as well is, is yeah, I mean they are completely different, <laughs> but they just contrast. Yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. The contrast is funny. Um, but what's 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 strange is you you might disagree with me here, but I always remember from the early series, he always looked like he was always a real villain. Mm. He wasn't like a nice guy. No. What? He was always trying to screw people over, and mm. even even Delboy didn't really like him. It came no. across, so it's an interesting one there. And obviously, yeah, as the show goes on, they are more friends. Mm. They, there's always that little bit of banter, and it, there's almost a little bit of jealousy between both of them. Oh yeah. So Del is jealous of him because um, I think he lives in. Does he live in Blackheath? Boise. Yeah, he lives in a very posh area and he's I think like a lot Blackheath, more well off than Del. It might not be Blackheath, but I know Cassandra lives there, but um, mm. he has a car dealership in Lewisham, mm. which is only just down the road. Um, and he's got a big house, he's got a nice wife, mm. um, he's got a lot, he's got a lot going for him. Mm. Um, and Del is jealous of that because that's kind of the life he wants. Mm. But also, Boise's jealous of Del because he's a real character and everyone likes him. Mm. And I think Boise kind of knows that He's not as well liked. Del's De- mm. really well liked mm. by everyone, even his own wife. At some points, it looks yeah. like Marlene doesn't come into it till a little bit later. Actually, does mm. she, Marlene? Marlene doesn't like Marlene likes Del more than she does Boise. Um, and also, another thing is you you almost could argue that Boise is uh, jealous that Del is a, like a proper like a family. Mm. So so all, all, all Boise has is, and that's a big part of the show. It's a big part of Boise's character is how they they want children. Mm. Um, Miley and my children, and Dell has a family. He has his granddad. He has he has Rodney, who's like his son. Mm. And 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 Boise doesn't have that. And there's almost a bit of jealousy there as well. So mm. it's interesting. It's an interesting relationship. Boise and and Del Boy are an interesting relationship. Mm. That is the sound of the nail being hit on the head. <laughs> that is that. Uh, yeah, I, I never thought of that. To be fair, it's very true. Yeah, I suppose Boise. Yeah, they work very envious of each other and. Of course, Del's relationship with Marlene as well. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like uh, Del Boy is more in common and gets on better with Marlene. Oh yeah, it's almost like Boise is is jealous of, of Del Boy because he's got his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really bizarre. Well, the, the history between Del and Marlene does come up quite a bit. Um, the thing is, it's kind of an ongoing joke how you don't really know what happened. Mm. But it's they definitely had it away. They oh some yeah, but, but it's never said. It's never said. Really, mm. they, they 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 joke about it and they they kind of hint towards Mm-mm. it, but they never come out and say it because the funny part of that joke is it isn't the fact that um that they had it they've probably had it away or got it off at some point in the past, mm. but it's Boise's reaction. Yeah, Boise's yeah. faces are hilarious when when him and him and when Del Boy and Marlene are interacting. Boise has this like it's scrunching up his face and. He, yeah. He can't say anything though. He can't yeah. do anything. <laughs> and it, it, that that is an ongoing joke throughout. And what's funny what? is they bring other characters in on it. Mm. So it's almost like she's had more of a history. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you she, never uh... quite know how big it goes. <laughs> no. And that's that's straight away brought up in this where um you know Dell's looking at a banger that Boise's trying to sell him, um falling apart. Dell says, you know, what do you expect for fifty quid? Oh well, sorry, Boise says to him, what do you expect for fifty quid? 
Then Boise, like they walk across the sport, sports car, Dell says, you know, how much for this? Boise says, no, this is a present for his wife, Marlene. Says, do you remember Marlene? And Dell goes, yeah, sort of, but all the lads remember Marlene. Yeah. And again, yeah. what can Boise do? Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is Boise doesn't say anything. It's almost because he knows it's true. Mm. Like, you, you never quite know. And, it's not and you, know, you know what's it. a bit of a shame as well, actually? Mm. Um, we won't, I won't go too much into it now, but in Rockin' Chips, which is a prequel, mm. I don't think Marlene's in it. No, well, and she would have been a great character for it. I think they were going to make some more rocking chips because yeah. apparently what happened was is that when um, a show is going to be recommissioned before it's before it, it has actually given the green light to get another series, they'll say like, "Oh, the the props have been like taken into storage, or the props have been saved saved in their like right, okay. storage compartment," because that means they're going to reuse them. So that's like all but saying, "Yeah, we're going to do some more of these." So, you know, we're not throwing away the, the sets and all of that. And apparently, Rock and Chips, that's what they'd said. Like, like John Sullivan knew that they'd saved all the props. They said to him that. They said to the cast that. Um, then John Sullivan sadly passed away. So there probably would have been some more. Might have met Marlene if it went yeah, on. Yeah, I think she definitely would have come into it. She would oh, have been yeah. a great character. been a great character. Um, There's so much more you could have done with it. Yeah, and it would have been interesting as well because the joke is, yeah, as you said, all the boys remember Marlene. Mm. But in Rock and Chips, Boise hangs out with Mendel's gang. Mm. So it would be interesting to see how all the boys know Marlene, mm. yet Boise kind of never picks up on it, or maybe mm. does, and he just... Yeah. Yeah, it, that would have been really good to see. And it's a real shame that, that Rock and Chips... Obviously, I know John Sullivan died. It would be Rest cool. Peace. Yeah. R.I.P. It would have been cool to see someone pick up the pieces and maybe carry on with it. Oh, I, I, I disagree. It would have been nice I would have if been he'd interested. have written some more before he died. I don't think anyone else could write Only Fools but him. I know. It, yeah, listen, I 100% agree with you. Mm. And I think whatever happened, it probably wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been on the same standard. Mm. But there's, I think I think from, from what he's written, there's probably more to work with and it would have mm. been interesting to see. Well, but part of me thinks, you know what, it's good that they've let Sleeping Dogs lie. Mm. Let the show... That that show basically died with him in a way. Mm. Uh, it's a bit of a mean thing well, to say, but but no, it didn't no, it didn't carry on. Yeah, after yeah. It, right? I have respect for that. It's like yeah. the BBC were like, you know what? Let's not try and ruin this yeah. by carrying it on. Let's leave it how it was. Well, we see we see what happens when they try and write Only Fools without John Sullivan, and that comes in the recent comic relief special, which I don't want to bring up again because it makes me physically sad. Yeah, but that was only a. Um, it was only a comic relief. It was it, a bit it, of fun. It was, but it was also it was. I mean, no, it was it was for a good cause. Yeah, exactly. It and was for a good cause. It was for a good cause, and that's the only good thing I can say about it. it <laughs> beyond that point, uh, oh, I I did feel I felt very sad after watching that. Well, the thing about Only Fools and Horses is it's mm. relatable. It's relatable. That scene wasn't relatable. That, that scene wasn't relatable. No, it was done. He was done for the right reasons. For it was a bit comic. It was, it was a bit, a bit of fun. fun. Um, and but to be it... honest, I, I know that. And, um, something more recent that I think that applies to is I don't know if you watched. It, I'm going a bit off tangent, but mm. um, uh, the the In Betweeners reunion. No, I did, did not you know. see that. No. Did you watch the In Betweeners? A little bit. I watched the film. So yeah, so they, it was an old series. It's not an old series. It came out ten years ago now. Mm. So it's a little bit old, but. Mm. Um, but there was all hype. Because of course, the geezer in that played the young Del Boy in Rock and Chips. Yeah, yeah, James, James Buckley. Mm. Um, so it does tie in. I'm mm. not going completely off. No, no, no. But recently they did a Channel 4 um, reunion show. And, and I, I saw they announced the reunion show. And then I read the article saying that it was going to be them reliving the best parts of the show on a panel. Right. Um, and what happened was is 
uh, it was actually turned out everyone thought it was going to be a proper episode when it wasn't it was it was a panel show yeah where they were just talking about the best moments of it and it got a lot of hate yeah so was it done for comic relief or was it just like a no no it was just like a, a thing it was oh, just a right. thing but yeah so, that, yeah so i think I, I can see why people were upset with it because if they thought it was going to be maybe like a bit of a proper episode for yeah. comic relief then see but it's a bit of fun it's for a good cause yeah you know, just just accept it for what it is. That's yeah. what my view on it is. No, yeah. Not only Fools and Horses, Hercules special, done for the right reasons, but it also makes me feel a little bit sick. Anyway, why are you wearing them glasses? These? Yeah. To be honest, I thought that, you know, if I was to wear these, no one would recognise me and I could be a little bit, you know, incognitive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good thinking. <laughs> Anyway, Boise is saying that he needs... So the, the car, that uh, the really flash sports car, he says is for his wife, Marlene. And he said he needs somewhere to hide it. Del says, you know, he's got a lock-up garage. Boise says, oh, that'd be a, a really big favour, you know. What could I do in, in return? I have to pay you a favour one day. Of course, Del Boy po- points at the banger that Boise was trying to sell him. And then we cut to the flat, where Rodney's talking to Grandad about his, a girl he's going out with. Um, and he says that his friend Mickey Pierce suggested that they try trial separation. We then go to the next scene where Dell is selling the car to an Australian, an Australian guy who would later, the actor who played him would later go on to play Jumbo Mills, yeah. one of Dell's best friends. Yeah. Um, again, about reusing an actor for different characters. Um, yeah, the thing is that that's like a big character. The very big that's character. character. Featured in one episode, but in the, well, the story well, of Only Fools... is featured in two episodes. So that one and obviously the one with yeah, yeah. Jumbo But Mills. I mean the character of Jumbo Mills. Yeah, so he's yeah. only featured in one episode, but he's yeah. a big character. Big here. character. Um, but also he's a main. He's kind of a, a big main character in this episode. But he's a different character. I don't know what his name is in it. I can't mm. remember. But he's only, he's only in one. He's mm. only in this one episode. So it's, it's interesting how they did reuse him. I think if a show was made now, they couldn't do that. No, no. I don't think they would do it. Well, I think Two and a Half Men did it, because um, there was a, the, a girl, I'm sure it was the, the same woman, she slept with Charlie, and she was like the, um, she was in a few episodes of Charlie, and then she comes back as Aston Kutcher's wife, and I don't think it's made reference to that she was in it before. Oh, okay. But, um, but anyway, that, anyway, yeah, so we find out by Rodney that the car is a banger, and Dell's he's claiming that the car was, you know, owned by... I had one owner, and it was a vicar. He used to drive it to and from church, saying, oh, look, he's only gone and left his Bible in the car. Um, you know, <laughs> manipulating the situation. Uh, and, and Dale does stuff like that throughout the episode. Throughout, throughout the, the episode, series. yeah. Um, and I love those moments. Yeah. Because it, they're really clever. They're yeah, really, yeah, It shows how kind of clever he, he is. And it's yeah. But we find out the car is... is we go back to the flat, and they... It's, they um, build upon the fact that the car was a, a banger, dangerous, and that it was falling to pieces. Um, it's then that we find out that Dell tells Rodney that Mickey Pierce has been seen out in the disco with the girl that he was um, he was previously dating. This makes Rodney, you know, mad, and Rodney's he wants to go out to to the, to a club to try and beat some women, and. Uh, He's he's sort of trying to angle Dell to come with him, and you know Dell said he's saying you know if you want a bit of company you know I'm happy to go with you Rodney. Rodney's like, I don't I don't need you, 
And it's the great sort of dialogue between the two where Rodney sort of indirectly asks Dell to come with him and also plants the seed in the in Dell's mind of taking Boise's car. And then when Dell brings it up, Rodney goes, oh, if that's what you want to do on your red beat, son. All right, let's go. <laughs> like Brilliant, brilliant bit of acting from um, Nicholas Lindhurst. So they go to the bar where Dell orders a Caribbean stallion. Um, and the Caribbean stallion, the ingredients of it. Is this the first time we see one of Dell's initial drinks? It is. And what a drink this is. 25 millilitres of tequila. 25 millilitres of Malibu. Is this a proper drink or is this like made for him? I think it's a proper drink. I've sound, right, found this on a website. Uh, 25 millilitres of creme de menthe. Creme de menthe. Um, a smidgen of Campa- Campari. The merest suggestion of Angostra bitters. I pronounced that completely wrong. Uh, fresh grapefruit juice. A slice of orange. Um, a wedge of lime. Seasonal fruits. You put in a nice decorative umbrella, and there you go, as they would say. Um, the waiter acts a bit effeminate, and uh, let's talk about the offensive nature of only fools and horses because we, we don't 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 just have a bit of racial humour. We have a bit of bit of yeah, slightly homophobic sort of humour. You could say you could. I don't want to get sued. Could be interpreted as some homophobic type humour. Sort of, and Dell says, you know, is the is the guy a bit like that, making a, a hand gesture? He seems seems a bit. They seem a bit bothered by the fact that they could be served by a gay waiter. Is um, this offensive? Do you reckon? Um, I, listen, it's difficult to comment. It's a different time. It, yeah, it's a different time. That's the easy answer. It's yeah, that's the easy answer. But answer. to be honest, neither of us were around then. Mm. We're, we're we're not that old. We're only about ten. No, <laughs> yeah. no we, 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 I look about ten. <laughs> no, we weren't around. Um, at that time, so we don't know what the the overall kind of views were by people. But what I imagine was, mm. and what I've spoken to people about, is it wasn't as common then. Now, if, mm. if you if you're gay, you come out and you say it, and, and it's accepted. It's fine. Yeah, but it's, it's still... not a problem at all. Back yeah. then, it probably was, but you're probably more judged, um, and it wasn't as common. Yeah. Um, and so when you came across someone who was gay. Then it's like it's, it's a bit of an event, maybe. Yeah, but potentially, I, I'm I'm only guessing. I don't know really because I weren't around then. But that's how I view it. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, and, the and views. The yeah. Truth is, this is a BBC show. So yeah. if, if if anything was really offensive back then, they wouldn't have put it out. Have you ever seen Love Thy Neighbour? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it was a different time. It was a different time. But <laughs> but, but the thing is, the thing is, it was all done for humour and, and yeah and and. From what I remember, the black guy and that always came out on top. Mm. So, well, again, in, in this show, they're sending up Dell and Rodney. They're not sending up, I don't think they're sending up the homosexual gentleman. I think Dell and Rodney are seen to be the ones with the issue. Yeah, because it's almost like a fear. It is a fear. It's, it's almost it's, like a fear. It's, it's, a it's, it, well, it's, it's a bit hom- they're, hom- they're cautious. It's homophobia, yeah. It's homophobia, they're cautious. They're cautious. They're, yeah. So, um, so, you know, Dell Boy spots some ladies at the bar. Uh, puts his arm around him, goes chat him up, walks back to Rodney and goes, right, bruv, we're leaving. Then Rodney goes, oh, oh Dell, nice one, my son. Are they a couple of ravers? They're a couple of greasers, Rodney. <laughs> they turn around, they turn out to be two ladies with long hair and facial Take hair up, as well. <laughs> you are great, you are. You're the last miracle left of this earth. <laughs> Shut up and drink up, will you? Yeah, yeah. They're a couple of ravers. <laughs> They're a couple of geezers. <laughs> 
and again a bit of transphobia maybe because they seem a bit i don't know it, that could be i don't know but anyway Dell and rodney they leave um goes to another club they seem a bit down and um then they go and see some attractive girls they go over and talk to them and uh, Dell's like you know let's uh, rodney's saying to Dell, you know let's be honest uh let's not lie to him go over and To them, what what do you do? And uh, Dell says, "We're professional tennis players." Uh, Dell says, "You know, Rodney over there is a professional tennis player called Hot Rod. That's what they call him. And I'm his manager." Tries to chat up the the, the girls, and it goes gets onto the line where they say, "You know, it doesn't look very tanned for someone who's been playing in Miami." And Dell says, "Well, that's because um, it's been all indoors. We've been playing on AstroTurf." And one of the girls says, Rodney, what do you prefer then? Um, grass or AstroTurf? Rodney, who's not been paying attention to the previous conversation, just goes, I don't know, I've never smoked AstroTurf before. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and then, you know, Joe has to come clean and he says, no, we're not really tennis players. We're Concord pilots. <laughs> this happens quite a few times where Dell makes up really kind of exaggerated lies. Yeah. And it looks like it actually works mm. for the most part. But then Rodney always ruins it. <laughs> he does, he does <laughs> ruin it. He's honesty. Um, so Rodney and Del, they're leaving in Boise's car. They're talking about, you know, they're onto a winner. They've got the birds' phone numbers. And Rodney asks Del, where did he put the phone number? And Del says, I wrote it on that cigarette packet. And then Rodney says, I threw that cigarette packet out the window a few miles back. And then Del says again, calls him a pranny. Not a plonker. Okay. And then, uh, so that makes Dell slam the brakes, and we see. Well, we, we first hear a crash, and it's a someone crashing into the back of Boise's motor. They're in trouble. They get out to have a go. Turns out to be the Australian driving the car that they'd sold him before it with the dodgy brakes. All comes full circle in the end. All comes around, and it's the mark of a good sitcom where the characters actions are driving it they're not just reacting to what happens they're driving what happens yeah. they're the driving force that problem at the end occurred mm. because of mistakes they made in the, in exactly. the earlier on in the yeah. episode and that is a good sign of a sitcom definitely uh, cash and curry this is that an offensive what yeah, about that no, title honest, let's I was talk about say, it this is an interesting episode first of all i'm going to say it's actually a really good episode oh yeah it's yeah. a great episode yeah. um but it involves two uh, I, I don't know. Are they Indian? I think they are Indian. Yeah, yeah. I think they're Indian gentlemen. I don't think it's sort of nailed down the exact country. I think they are from India. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like two Indian gentlemen. Might be Pakistani. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, it says they're Indian actually. Mm. Um, but they um, <laughs> there are several jokes throughout the episode about kind of their culture and mm. and religion and things like that. Again, it was it was again it was for the time it was, it was mm. probably accepted. But but what's interesting about this episode is that they're kind of made fun of, and Dell kind of pits them against each other in a way mm. in order to make a profit. Mm. Turns out that Dell and Rodney once again come out losing, mm. and they're all working together. So you could see it as offensive, I suppose. But to be honest, they come out better. The the Indian, uh, the two Indian people in the episode come out on top. Well, there's a line at the end actually that sums up exactly that. Um, so this one again, thirty minutes in duration, seven point three million views. Twenty second, gone up a little bit. Gone up, gone a, up bit. a bit. They're doing better. 
22nd of September, 1981, this went out. We start off with some really cool jazz music. Seems like it's from like a detective show or something. Uh, Rodney drives in. This a... episode always makes me hungry as well. <laughs> yeah, always, yeah. There's a couple of times where it's they, they're in a curry house. Oh, it just makes me really hungry. Yeah. It's um, actually quite good. If you order a curry and watch this episode, it's mm. great. <laughs> well, just as you said that, I'm reaching into some fruit pastels. Um, Not really. I mean, I wouldn't have a fruit pastel curry. I'll be honest with you, but <laughs> no, no, it could be a good flavour. So. We got any more thoughts while I'm eating? <laughs> got any more thoughts while I'm eating? Uh, let's finish off what you eat. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah we'll, we'll go from that point. So it's also here that we see Rodney driving the Vauxhall Velux, which is the secondary car that the the trotters own. Um, so Delboy's coming down the stairs. He talks about he's having a business meeting with someone coming from out of town, talking about new business opportunities. We find out that is Vimal Malik. They're at a very posh upmarket venue. Del, Rodney and Malik are confronted by two gentlemen in a car park. Um, we learn that one of them is Mr. Ram, uh, another Indian gentleman who has a problem with Vimal Malik that stretches back to a family dispute they had. Uh, Del Boy's saying, you know, whatever problem you have, I don't want to have any part of it. So how about you step aside or someone, you know, is going to get hurt? Um, the gentleman has a bodyguard with him who knows karate, and he says, you know, this man is a black, a second Dan in karate. Delboy then says, well, I've got a black belt in origami. Great line. Um, and then we see a, a standoff between the two as the, the henchman is doing some karate sort of demonstration. Delboy doesn't flinch. He just says, police. And as the guy turns round, kicks him in, in the balls. I don't think you see that, do you? Well, we, we all we hear is, oh, yeah, and then it, and he's clutching it, it his balls. cuts away, yeah, and yeah. all you hear is like a little, like, like a, a, someone throw, a punch hit, and yeah, then yeah. like a, a, a groan. Yeah, and yeah. And cuts back, and, and it's, he's it's a good moment. It's a funny yeah. moment, yeah. Um, and then, you know, he tells uh, Vimal and Rodney to get in the van, and he says, you know, quickly get in the van, and then as Dell's sort of saying, you know, goodbye, Mr. Ram's saying, no, we shouldn't end end our meeting like this. You know, we, let's have a talk. They were saying, I've done all the talking I needed to. Turns round, Rodney and Vimal have gone in the uh, three-wheel van. And that's <laughs> yeah. where we first hear the line, wow, you plonker. You are a plonker. So that pranny didn't stick around for too long. What's that, sir? Pranny didn't They like, did not. Only stuck around long. for the first two episodes. And we hear plonker for the first time. In the show. What a plonker. <laughs> uh, we then cut to Dell at an Indian restaurant with Mr. Ram and the henchman uh, eating Indian food. Um, Dell, I should say, he's reconsidered the offer to go for to go for dinner after he finds out he's stranded. Um, and he picks up the the the, uh, the henchman and goes, Oh, what happened? Which is great, <laughs> great line. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, absolutely great. Um, to the Indian restaurant, Dell's eating loads of food, and it is Mr. Ram who says to a waiter, "If this pig orders another thing, please tell him that the restaurant's closed in Urdu." As we, or I think it's Urdu anyway. It's it's in a, a language that Del Boy um, doesn't speak, so he doesn't know what's happening. We just learn this through subtitles. He tells Del 
his um, his problem with Malik stems back to the fact that Malik is in possession of a family heirloom that might not be worth a lot uh, for its actual value, but in sentiment in sentimental value is worth a lot to um, to Mr. Ram, saying it's a family heirloom and that he would pay up to four thousand pounds to get it back. Is is it this point where they go back? Does he tell him the whole history? Because this is like some family feud that goes back like a hundred years. Yes, he does. Yeah, as good he brought up actually. He says that he would be prepared to um, give him four thousand pounds for it, but he can't meet up with Mister Malik because Mister uh, Mister Malik's from a higher uh, high caste, and Mister Rams from a lower caste, so they can't meet. Del Boy... They can't be shown interacting with each other, basically. Exactly, and that's where Del Boy says, you know, me and Mister. Mr. Malik are very close, so um, why don't you let be the me? Yeah, let me be the middleman. Del goes to meet Malik and uh, proposes that Mr. Ram wants to buy the statue for two thousand uh, pounds. Of course, two grand. Short. Also, I just want to point out a bit. Um, Rodney finds Del in the curry house, mm. um, and there's there's a weird old moment where he goes, "I've been in in and out of every curry house in like South London." Yeah, it just shows how technology changed. Because if this was written now, yeah, that problem wouldn't occur. Mm. Obviously, now we've got mobile phones, but then back then, you put it into perspective, Rodney would have had to go in and out of every like curry house mm. and drive around the whole of South London, in and out of curry houses, looking for his brother, and yeah. not not be able to find him. So it's one of those weird things that makes you think that if this was a modern show now, you wouldn't have that problem. It shows yeah. the difference in technology. It's it's good actually. I did leave out the fact actually that Rodney. He, he does R- get to the restaurant, yeah. and, and literally just runs in and says, "I've been in that every time yeah. now, just trying to find you." But um, we also see R- Rodney's caring nature. We see that, like you know, he would be prepared to get in a fight for Dell, which I really like. You know, it's not just a one-way street. Yeah. Rodney's protective over Dell as well. Um, and so yeah, at Mister Malik's house, <laughs> even though Rodney wouldn't be able to do a great deal. Oh no, <laughs> he would try. He'd get he would battered. Try. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, they're back at Mister Malik's flat. He says that Mr. Ram wants to buy the statue for £2,000, not £4,000. Um, Rodney, you know, not happy with this, but Dell sort of like gives him a nudge. Yeah, it kind of, it kind of that's when the reason he's obviously doing that, he does explain it to Rodney that he deserves a bit of money for being the middleman in between. So if he yeah. can make two grand out of it, then he justifies it. Mm. But you can't help but think it's still not honest, it's still not right. He's no, still no. cheating both these men. Mm over a statue he's still getting himself involved cheating him over a statue mm. in order to make a profit oh yeah um so he's you know he mr uh, manic doesn't want to part with his statue and that's where he you know he says it's uh a Quera, and rodney's trying to you know guess what Quera. uh sorry del boy's trying to guess what Quera is uh, rodney says you know he doesn't know who it is and del boy says Quera. Is one of India's one of India's premier wicket keepers, which gets a great laugh, and um, you know then Mister Malik fills him in saying it's the, uh, the Hindu god of wealth. Uh, Del Boy you know, looks around the flat saying, you know, you could do with a few bob. I think this statue might even be cursed. Yeah, Mister um, Malik says, you know, I can't meet with Mister um, Ram. Um, I would be prepared to sell this statue, but we can't meet. Um, also, of course, Mr. Ram has said to him, I will only part with the cash if I have the statue. 
And of course, Mr. Malik saying, I'll only pop this statue if I have the cash. Which is where the dilemma comes into it, really. Where the dilemma comes. We see in the landing, Del and Rodney um, on the landing and Del saying, you know, what about... Uh, first, Del says to Mr. Malik, you know, I'll act as the middleman, I'll sort it out. Um, and he says to Rodney, what about if we raise the money ourselves, we give Mr. Malik the two grand... And so he never has to meet with, meet with Mr. Ram and he's got his money. He's happy. And he takes the statue, takes it back to Mr. Ram and, you know, lovely jubbly. And Rodney's saying, it's illegal. Del's saying, you know, and then he goes, it's immoral. And then Del goes, are you in? And Rodney goes, yeah, yeah. All right, then. Great. Brilliant. Um, so then we see a montage. Del and Rodney yeah, selling good, all their good stuff. Good music as well to go with the montage. Very good music. Um, as Rod, as Del says, you know they, they pawn everything they they own, like their um, and they they sell everything that they can, like the Vauxhall Velux, which I don't believe we see again actually. So it's a reason why the the Trotter's second car is is gone. Um, pawn all the jewelry, Granddad's tellies, uh, the coats. Um, great montage. They manage to raise the two grand, and they go to Mister uh, Mister Malik's flat. Del Boy leaves with the statue in hand. It, then he falls. We see a bit of a slow motion bit. And Del Boy just about catches the statue. Very tense moment. They go back to Mr. Ram's restaurant. Where they speak to the the waiter who served him before. And he says, where is a Mr. Ram? And the waiter goes, you know, I don't know any Mr. Ram. And... They're sort of behaving in the sort of stereotypical way that some English people behave to people from a different country um, when they're trying to get over a language barrier, where they'll speak sort of very loud and very slowly, saying, you know, where is a Mr. Ram? Where is the proprietor of the restaurant? And the waiter, brilliant, he goes, I am the proprietor of the <laughs> restaurant. No, they're there a few weeks ago eating with him. And the waiter goes, oh, yeah, that's the guy who sent me a, a 40 check. Uh, for his bill when I went to chase him up it turns out that he'd scarpered and he left the place he was renting owing about three months rent three weeks rent and um, you know Dell and Rodney they sort of cut on to the fact they might have been cons here and they showed a statue and say well you know what what he told me that he, he owned this restaurant and the waiter goes he could have just been fibbing and Dell goes, fibbing? I've given him £2,000 for this statue on the on the strength of him fibbing. And the waiter goes, £2,000? Why would you pay that? Like, you could pick him up for £17 in Portobello Market. And he points to two statues on the wall. And that's where they, they realise that they've they've been done. Shows, shows a bit of like stupidness from Dell. He'd be in the mm. same restaurant. Mm. Well, and and then, he would have seen those two statues, but didn't really mm. didn't even realise. Hmm. And we cut to Vimmel and Mr. Ram in a car laughing about how they've come the trotters. And to your point earlier, this is why I think it perhaps isn't offensive. Because the whole point of the episode is to send up the trotters. As they say, the, the, the trotters were two people who thought they could take advantage of two immigrants. Thinking that, you know, they were, they were smarter and they could outsmart them. But in fact, no, they're prejudiced let them, their preconceived notions, let them get outsmarted by these yeah. two gentlemen 
And again, it's it's sending up the trotters. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and they come out. The, the two Indian gentlemen come out on top in the end of the episode. Definitely. And they, 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 they're going off talking about everywhere else that they could uh, pull this scam. Yeah, and you're a bit like, serve the trotters right for, yeah. for trying to scam them. And then it's great when Dan and Rodney it cuts to a scene of them outside uh, Mr. Malik's, uh, Malik's flat. <laughs> they were saying, oh, I don't know how people like that could sleep at night. I really, I don't. <laughs> and um, brilliant. And then you know they're going off to the to the car, and um, they they'll say it's a bit peckish. And Rodney goes, "Well, yeah, it's Curry House, not too far back." <laughs> and then yeah, Rodney throws the uh, Dell throws the statue at Rodney, and any the episode there, brilliant, absolutely great. It's a great episode, yeah. The, for me, like out of the three episodes we talked about, that's like a staple episode for me. That's when I think of mm. series one. That's like one of the, the best episodes for me. If I was to make a top ten, that would definitely be on there. Mm. It's a great episode. Well, there you go. That was episode two of the That's Why They Were Quality podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next episode with episodes four to six of Only Fools and Horses. Thank you very much for listening, and we hope that you can join us for the next episode. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.